Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, Rod Babers, to start the 9 o'clock hour, we started the show reminding you that this is the 4th of January. We play this for you. This is what happened the night of the 4th of January, 19 years ago this day. It was a Wednesday the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Here we go. Young from the shotgun. Back to throw. Vince looks. Under pressure. He'll tuck it in and run. Vince to the five. Young. Touchdown, Texas. Touchdown, Vince Young. He's done it again. Vince Young has given the Longhorns the lead with 19 seconds to play in the game. There it was. Beautiful. Night. Hard to believe that's 19 years ago now. I was there. Time flies, Rod. Yes, Time flies. That yeah. was the, the memory that made me want to get into this business. I've there ta- you go. I had that date tattooed on my wrist. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Remember, you, were you, you were going to get another tattoo if they, uh, if they went to this national title? Were you going to get another if tattoo? If they won, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm not, not on the tattoo grind anymore. I got you. Brain and two tattoos. I'm good. You, the brand, that's the best. The brand, girl, girl told him to brand himself when he was at a campfire, and he did. She branded me, Damn. actually. Damn. And do you even still talk to this, this woman? I see her every once in a while. <laughs> do y'all discuss the intimate uh, exchange when she branded you once? Do you oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it worked. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I fooled around with her once or twice, but I, nice. it was worth it. it was, I, I, it's, a good, it's a good icebreaker. I always say that. I, was for, <laughs> I forget about it, honestly, till, till it's, you know, shirts off. People are like, what, what is that? Is that Texas? Because it, it doesn't look exactly like Texas. And she did it's it with like, like a coat hanger or something? Yep. She spent all day with like some pliers and a coat hanger. And we put it in the campfire and slapped it on my back. Wow. That is a story right out of Yellowstone. I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. And I was like 14 it's years more old. Of a story out of like, it's more of a story like out of Porky's or something, Animal House. And it's just dumb. <laughs> it was dumb, yeah. And there was and did, parents did, there. And they, they were like, please wow. don't do that. Like, I'm serious, guys. Don't do that. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten minutes later, they run out. I'm... I can still I still remember the face of the moms that were there. They were like, "Oh God, we're screwed." It, it, his, oh, yeah, my, you're only thirteen. I was fourteen. I can't 14, imagine. 14, that. But yeah, no, wow. my dad was very pissed at those parents. <laughs> it's safe to say. Yeah, yeah. If they, yeah, I would be pissed at those parents too. I need y'all to intervene. <laughs> well, <laughs> but they they said don't do it, and then they went inside. They I mean, once once they're inside, what are you gonna do? Exactly. I mean, so I was, you can't I was, watch I was, them at all times. I had drinking like a four loco or something. You know, I was feeling myself. Oh, no. <laughs> First of all, there's so many bad decisions happening here, compounding on top of one another. Yeah. Uh, well, you gotta like, you gotta make bad decisions to learn, right? 
Now, no, but this is why y'all needed supervision. This is why your dad was upset because y'all needed more supervision than just the, the warning. Don't do it. And then let y'all just go off on your own. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, they, they needed more supervision than that. Uh, and, the, and we didn't even like clean or anything. They, just, they slapped a bag of ice on my back and I was laying there for the rest of the night. Just, no, no, I don't know. I, I wish I saw the video. It was on Vine, if you remember Vine, like the TikTok before TikTok. I and do I think remember it's, Vine. I, th- I think it's gone forever now. It should be, because a lot of underage stuff happening there. There you go. There you go. Well, True. you'll 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 have a fourteen year old one day ride. Oh, good luck with that. Uh, um, but yes, hey, we've got a lot going on. There it was. That was uh, nineteen years ago. I just remember being watching that game and that touchdown. Being, I told you the story. I was exhausted. I don't think I had slept for like three days. Because remember that game was on Wednesday, and I was doing a radio show from two in the morning. We we're getting up at two in the morning to go do a radio show from four to nine every day. Oh, that's right. The time changed. Yeah. I didn't think about that. And then the wife was there, so we were sightseeing during the day. I, I and we oh, were coming was, up New Year's. It was a, it was, a I was, zombie. I was a zombie for that, but <laughs> it's a great finish, and uh, obviously a great game. And uh, the Longhorns, unfortunately, or one went away, and really one pass from Quinn Ewers to A.D. Mitchell from being back in that national championship game on Monday night. Instead, it'll be Washington against Michigan coming up. Bottom of the hour, we'll talk to C.J. Vogel. Uh, the Football Brainiacs and uh, on Texas Football Channel with you, Rod, on YouTube and us. He will uh, weigh in his thoughts on what he saw. He was at the game on Monday night, so we'll get his uh, eyewitness account and uh, what's to come for the Longhorns. He's covering the All-Star game down in San Antonio right now, so CJ's always good. Yeah, this says, guys, you got to hear the Rick Ross live stream. It's hilarious. And I saw some of it. It was. It, it, I, don't, I think he was trying to be serious. I don't know if he was, it was but it, was, it ended up being funny. Several people have told us that there's a great Tetris documentary on Netflix. If you want to watch a documentary about net about Tetris, there's a movie on maybe it's Apple that tells the story of Tetris. Yeah, this like says guys, story, if you haven't seen the true story or true movie about how Tetris was brought to the U.S., yeah, absolutely wild. Cold War, Soviet Union, yes, getting actual hostile over a video game. I think it's on. I think it, I watched it on Apple TV. Is what I think it's on, but I could be all, it could be on other stuff like that. But it is it's it's pretty fascinating. I haven't seen the documentary, uh, but I have seen the uh, the movie about Tetris, and it is pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it's really good. And I do like Tetris. I'm a fan. I like Tetris too. Like I said, it's just like I, said, I didn't even I didn't know that you could you could beat it basically, reaching the highest level until the game just froze. I mean, it's only uh, coded to a certain point, right? Like it's, it's that's old school stuff. It's not. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Yeah, it can only go so far, and then it's over. And that's was the kid's goal. And he, you go watch that on YouTube. You, you can fast forward. You watch the whole 38 minute game, or you can fast forward to the final. I mean, that's point fast got though. You know, like that because you can move it the blocks down as fast as you want, right? They don't just yeah. fall down. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I mean, it speeds he, up as you go, though. He had to. Be, it speeds up as you go. I mean, he had to be moving at a really high speed though to beat the game in just 30. Well, I'm thinking of it like an equivalent of like somebody that's really good at, at a Rubik's cube. You know, it's like because everybody and everybody in theory can do a Rubik's cube, but the fastest at it is the best. Yeah, maybe the fastest Tetris, Tetris player. Yeah, so good for him. Uh, 13-year-old kid. Yeah, it's, t- it's time to start transitioning. Though. Yeah, go that do good things. Go do big things. Go do, yeah, exactly. Go make some money, young young man. Yes, go. exactly right. <laughs> All right, so a lot of conversations this morning talking uh, Cowboys in week 18 in the NFL. Seven Pro Bowlers for the Cowboys. Um, you know, Dak Prescott going to the Pro Bowl. Um, then he deserves it. Certainly does, Brock. But how about Brock, who? What kind of Ty? You're the gambler. What kind of gambling odds could you have gotten? Really, even in on December the first that Jalen Hurts will not be one of the three NFC quarterbacks picked to be in the Pro Bowl. Well, I, I should have bet on it. I've been telling you all for the entire season he's going to have a drop-off at some point here. I, whether it's due to injury or whatever else is going on, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I Probably pretty good odds. I don't know if you can even bet yeah, on that. Because, but. look, there was, he was in the MVP race here. When they came off of beating Kansas City, beating Buffalo, beating Dallas, 
and were sitting at what eight and one, nine and two, nine and zero, oh, or whatever it was. You know, he was kind of the one of the odds favorites to win the thing. Now he's not even one of the three Pro Bowl quarterbacks. That goes to Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, and Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford snuck in both fans, coaches, and players. He is the third. Now, over in the AFC, there is some controversy, Rod, that uh, Josh Allen, who put up another 40-touchdown season and has the Bills at 10-6, and six, didn't make one of the three AFC spots. Yeah. That uh, he has better stats uh, and a head-to-head win over Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes is in along with Lamar Jackson and Tua. And is that is the Josh Allen thing because of his turnovers? He's still leading the league in turnovers, right? Uh, Him and Jalen Hurts. Not, he's cut down on those this year. Um, now, early in the year he had some, but he's been playing good football of late. But he still leads really, the league in turnovers, right? Does he this year? I'm pretty – he was, like, as of, like, three weeks ago. Him and Jalen Hurts were Jalen Hurts were, was were one and two. Uh, well, since Ken Dorsey was let go and Joe Brady took over as OC, he's actually done better with that. And they've been a better they've football team. They've been running team. the football. Yeah, they've been running the they've ball. Running the ball more. So, we'll see. They've got a big game with Buffalo. Buffalo has a big game with Miami this weekend. Um you know, Buffalo needs to win that game to get to 11 wins. Uh, Miami doesn't have a lot to play for at this point. They're going to be the two seed, but um, they're as, as Rod has told us, and, and he's got the rant coming up. There's is two playing. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen, seen that. that. We know Brock Purdy's not going to play. Lamar Jackson's not going to play. Joe Flacco's not going to play. Yeah, they got a lot of kind of quarterbacks that are sitting now. On the uh, turnover thing, Josh Allen does. He he is number one still. Uh, Jalen Hurts number two. Oh no, actually Sam Howell. Sorry, Sam Howell, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. Okay. Josh, but Josh Allen has become the first quarterback to, to account for 40 or more touchdowns for his team in four straight years. Yeah, but how many turnovers? I'm, he's a yeah. baller. <laughs> I kind of agree with Tom there. Yeah, but how many times he turned the ball over? Well, statistically, he's had a better year than Patrick Mahomes this year. But, again, Patrick Mahomes is going to get the votes. At the end of the day, it's a popularity contest, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but Mahomes, and, again, if you're voting, and, again, it's players, coaches, and fans, if you're voting – you know, you can look at Patrick Mahomes. It's not his fault. Not all his fault. His receivers are no good, and the offense isn't as as tight and as good. Uh, he's still playing at a very high level. But in the end, Buffalo fans are the Bills mafia fired up that their guy didn't make the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I get I get what they're talking about, but still, they they understand the Pro Bowl is basically the fans don't do research. They vote for the guys they think are the best at that position, and, and that's always going to be and Mahomes. That's, yeah, and that, exactly. It's the All and Pro the teams you look at. Who votes on the All Pro? Is that media? All just Pro media? is the writers. That's football it's writers. writers. They football do writers. And they're yeah. the ones who supposed. Yeah. And the All Pro, Pro is the the elite. That's that. There's one player at each position, right? Yeah. Essentially, it's yeah, the you All don't Pro do AFC team. and NFC. That's why when that. you start talking about Hall of Fame debates, you don't talk about Pro Bowl. No, you don't. You, you took it all pro teams. Yeah, um, I feel like Pro Bowl used to do, it used to matter more though because well the game did, but I mean as, as far as like when you get to the because the Hall of Fame is also voted on by the Football Writers Association yeah. of America and they consider it all pro yeah. and they they pick all, all pro and yeah. that's and that's that crosses conferences too right or they, do yes. they do AFC and NFC no. all pro or just NFL all no, pro it's just NFL yeah it's so those NFL. are that's the elite of the elite yeah and if in your NFL career you've made you know, eight all pro teams. Okay, you were the best player at your position for well, eight years. If you make an All Pro period, means you were the best player at that position that season. Yeah, that's a that's a tough thing to do. In the you NFL. do it once. Yeah, Pro Bowls uh, that don't necessarily mean you're the best player at that position. You could be. So our All Pro quarterback this year will be Lamar Jackson. Yes, no question. It'll be Lamar Jackson. He'll be your All Pro QB. Christian McCaffrey. Back with Christian McCaffrey. Easy. Yeah, you probably go through it right now. Tyreek Hill, Ceedee Lamb. Actually, I think it's going to be right. Right now, I think that. CeeDee Lamb's like 94 yards behind Tyreek Hill for the uh, lead in receiving yards, which is not crazy. No, he's had a great year. He had a great year. Because I thought Tyreek Hill was going to by far and away. I think he did miss a game, though. Um, by far and away, he would be the receiving yards leader because at one point, he nobody was even like within 250 I mean, yards. CeeDee Lamb broke the franchise record. I realize it's an extra game, but that's still impressive beating out Michael Irvin. 
single season. No, I agree. With you. Receiving yards. Well, did he do it? Did he do it last game? Yeah, oh yeah, well, I guess he that did. Big, yeah, so he that big ninety-two yard touchdown yeah, catch against so he Detroit. He did it in sixteen. He did it in sixteen. Yeah, he did it in the, in the amount of games. Yeah. Uh, think about that. As Michael Irvin, yeah, they they have another game this weekend that they need to win to secure the division. It's the Washington Commanders uh, in Washington. Oh on man, Sunday. they're going to they're going to crush Washington. I think you would think, right? I yeah, mean, well, just because stuff's that, on the line. A lot on the line. A lot on the line for you. But that's why I said earlier. I mean, you cannot over overstate how big that call was in the Detroit game. I mean, because. Think about it. I said it earlier, but for the for the balance of the NFC, if Detroit had won the game, um, the the Niners would have had to play all their starters this week to to secure the one seed. They would have had to play everybody, and they wouldn't have had the services of Christian Chris McCaffrey, McCaffrey, who's hurt. He's out. Um, but so for the whole NFC, once you get to the playoffs, the Niners get the benefit of having this week off because they've already secured the one, and they get next week off. Yep. So they will be the freshest team and the healthiest team come playoff time. And, you know, the Lions, of course, would they would have had to play. They would have had to play again. A lot to play for. That doesn't – now it doesn't matter. And yeah. so the Niners get actually get two weeks arrested. off. You get a rested 49er team yes. with extra time to prepare for well, their Well, Baltimore opponent. gets it too. And the Baltimore Ravens earned it because they smashed the Dolphins last week after smashing the 49ers. So they get to rest Lamar Jackson this week, and they will be in the same boat. So those two teams appear to be on a collision course in the Super Bowl. That's but scary. a lot of football between now and then. They'll be your prohibitive favorites. Uh, meanwhile, Cowboys need to win. Uh, um, Eagles will try to, um, you know, get after it with the Giants. So we'll see that. And of course, the Texans are playing the Colts on Saturday night, and that game means a playoff spot. That is a playoff game, Rod. That is winning in and losing, you're out. Yeah, um, and that's you know two first year coaches. That's almost like in a play in game to the playoffs, yeah. which is pretty cool. All right, let's uh, and first year coaches. First year coaches, absolutely. In there. Um, they got one team with a backup quarterback and yeah, Gardner, Gardner Minshew. Minshew. Come on now, really well. Yeah, no, it is. It's very. I would say for the Texans. I mean, there's so many great stories this season. Um, it's a shame that D'Amico Ryan's didn't win Coach of the Year. Or well, he's not going to win Coach of the Year because I think Kevin Stefanski's going to get it. But he he's he's deserving of it. I think like two other coaches could be deserving if if Shane Steichen can get the Colts in. Honestly, he would be deserving of it. Too. Unbelievable. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. He's done a real good job there. All right, because remember last year they were a mess. That was the Frank oh, Reich's man. out, Jeff Saturdays it's, in. Even Sean McVay getting the Rams in. Um, and the Rams are a team nobody wants to play right now. You don't really want to play them. And they've done – I mean, basically they've done it with like three, four kind of Pro Bowl, all-pro caliber players playing. But everybody else they're throwing out there are just, you know, low, uh, late-round draft picks or undrafted free agents they picked up, and they've developed those guys into being stars for them. It's been, that's a great story too. And by the way, uh, to your question on Tua, I believe the Dolphins need to win Sunday because if they don't, they'll be even – they'll both be 11-6. and six. And the Bills would have beaten the Dolphins twice because the Bills beat Miami in my in Buffalo. I say win division. So Dolphins got to got to hold on here. They've got to win that game to win the division. So okay. they can't rest to it. Okay, that's how big that loss was that they Even, had to. So think he, about that Tennessee game a couple weeks ago. Ooh, where they were up but double digits with four minutes to play. That's gonna come back to haunt. That's gonna haunt them. Does division record does that supersede head to head? Like if. If the Dolphins had no, a better division, no, head to head. If they if they sweep the season series, that's Same the record. head. That's the first okay. tiebreaker. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the Bills and the Dolphins means a lot actually on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're right. Yeah, because Dolphins are eleven and five. Yep. Bills are eleven and six. They win that game. They'd have the division lead. Yeah, they would. So yeah, that matters. That absolutely matters. All right, let's. Uh, that's the big game. Then. That is the big game. That's in the, the big AFC. Game. That's yeah. the big game. Yeah, Houston and in Indianapolis game. and that uh, yeah. in the AFC. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to Rod's rant. His second of the day. C.J. Vogel coming up bottom of the hour. Aaron Hogan, Rod Pavers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. 
Before the top of the hour, we'll play a round of Who Said That, Roger? Who Said It? Who Said That? Been talking uh, all things NFL Week 18, Longhorns, who's coming, who's going? Is it going to be a day-by-day drip of announcements? Is that the plan? Don't cover up anybody else's shine, as they say, you're on? Seems that way. Yesterday was Alfred Collins. Day before was uh, X-Man. We'll see if uh, something comes down today and people are wondering about Quinn Ewers and his decision. I will say again that uh, listening, this doesn't mean it's final, but his conversation in the postgame up on the podium with Jalen Ford and Sark sounded like a guy who was planning to be leading the Longhorn offseason. I mean, that was a – because Sark talked about the 12-year commitment, the 12-year, 12-month you know, everything that culminated in that Sugar Bowl and the season they had and the Big 12 championship started last January, and they need the same buy-in. They need the same attention to uh, to leadership and detail. And then Quinn said, you know, I, I look forward to attacking the offseason yeah, uh, and being a, a one of the tips of the spear with this offseason. So he sounds like a guy who's made his mind up, but that's why you're asking why hasn't he announced it yet. Uh, just seems, you know, I mean, I just don't know what the holdup would be. And I, I, I think actually the social media strategy <laughs> may be a good theory as to why he hasn't made the announcement yet, because I think it's a, it seems to be the worst kept secret right now in Austin that Quinn's coming back. Yeah. I mean, nobody's doubting it at this point. Nobody. And, uh, <laughs> no, and I think most people think uh, A.D. Mitchell and JT, JT Sanders will follow Xavier Worthy out in the NFL. And with that in mind, let's go to the, uh, Vaquero's hotline, and he is uh, one of the best and a colleague of ours over on On Texas Football. Uh, he was in, he may still be in San Antonio covering the All Star game on Saturday. He's our friend CJ Vogel. CJ, how are you, man? Good morning, guys. How are we doing? What's up, CJ? You got any rest? Have you got any sleep? I know you were a part of the uh, uh, our coverage there in New Orleans, and then you had to, like everybody, drive back down I 10 and took took forever, and now you're down in San Antonio covering this. Have you gotten any rest so far? in the last week or so? No, not a whole lot. Uh, I was, you know, hoping to turn that I-10 trip into a nap, and that didn't really happen. So, you know, one of these days, the off-season will start hitting like the off-season, but it won't be today. Won't be today. Hey, let's start right there, CJ, with what we were talking about as you came on. The announcement of, uh, of Xavier Worthy on Tuesday, the then reports of yesterday with, uh, with Alfred Collins, which took some people by surprise, but probably a good decision for Alfred. Uh, what's uh, what, what's your lean on the next couple? What do you think's gonna happen with Quinn, and when will that come? What about uh, J.T. Sanders, A.D. Mitchell, and as far as other guys that could be headed out the door? Yeah, yeah, I think that Alfred Collins, you know, report and kind of leaning right now to him coming back is as big of any uh, returning player that Texas could have uh, coming back for 2024. So massive for that. To, to, if that is the case for Alfred Collins. Uh, like you, y'all were mentioning, I do think Quinn Ewers returns. I think that's almost a foregone conclusion at the moment. So uh, very exciting for him to come back into year three under Sarkeesian and really take another leap forward as we saw him do uh, this season from his his uh, retro freshman season uh, two years ago. So uh, that would be big for Texas. I think things are a little unlikely right now for A.D. Mitchell to return. I just think uh, with the way, you know, the season concluded and, and the whole – you know, package of film that he's been able to produce. It makes sense that he is now being named in first rounds of NFL mock drafts. I think CBS Sports released their first mock draft yesterday and had A.D. Mitchell going number 24 to the to the Bills. So it makes sense for him to want to get into the NFL and begin his career right away. But uh, as long as Quinn comes back and a couple other pieces are added to this team, as we've seen so far through the portal, uh, this team will be highly competitive once again, or I guess for the first time as they enter the SEC. 
Hey, CJ, uh, man, you've been jet-setting all over the place and doing a great job uh, with your coverage. But you were down at the uh, the All-Star game where you got some Longhorns who uh, got a chance to uh, participate and compete at the All-Star game. Uh, tell us about the players that you got a chance to get eyes on and who impressed you. Yeah, there was four guys down in San Antonio I was able to get a close eye on. Uh, linebacker Ty Anthony Smith. They had the punter Michael Kern down there as well. Quarterback Trey Owens in the 2024 class. And then uh, the guy that really stood out to me was five-star Texas signee Ryan Wingo. And, you know, Rod, Rod, we've talked about this in the past. My anticipation about Wingo is that he'll take a little bit of time to develop and get the really the nuances of what makes a, a good receiver great. I didn't see any of that. Any of the hesitancies I had coming into the game or into this week of practice yesterday when I saw him live for the first time. Uh, he's big, he's fast, he's mobile, he's quick. Everything that you want in a big-body receiver, he possesses. And the hands were tremendous. There weren't many DBs who were able to stay within a couple yards of him the entire day. It felt like he was running routes on air, even in team settings. So uh, that's very encouraging to me. I talked to Trey Owens after the practice yesterday who basically just came out and said, you know, I'm not really sure I've thrown to a guy as big and fast as Ryan Wingo. Uh, while also having his fine-tuned route running as he possesses at the moment. So very encouraging to me. And we've talked about uh, just how many snaps and, and, and targets and the overall share of, of you know, volume that is expected to open up next year with no Jay Witt, no Xavier Worthy, and no A.D. Mitchell. It would be huge for Texas to get another instant impact wide receiver on the field, especially with the body and, and frame of a Ryan Wingo. So that was really encouraging yesterday. Yeah, you also mentioned the quarterback, Trey Owens. All accounts were he had a real good practice and a real good uh, week so far. The kid out of Cy Fair, who was the quarterback uh, commitment for the class of 2024. Uh, big, tall kid, big arm. What did you see from him? Yeah, I, I, I think it was no surprise to anybody that has seen Trey Owens throw football in live, in live, uh, live action that he was the MVP of day one's practice for the West team. Uh, Owens is a, is a great thrower of the football and I think that is really what you know intrigues Steve Sarkeesian and his staff to take his commitment this year uh you know he he will have to work on his body as any you know incoming freshman will uh, as they get to the college ranks but he shows great touch on passes you know over the middle and especially towards the outside in that 10 to 15 to 20 yard range uh he has a big arm so he can huck it deep and he can fit it into tight windows but really it was the touch that he possessed uh, today that, or I guess yesterday, excuse me, that really stood out to me. He and, and Wingo specifically had a great rapport with one another, and it felt like every time that they were lined up with one another, it was a completion uh, down the field. Hey, uh, CJ, I want to ask you about Jonathan Brooks. I feel like his decision is, in my opinion, probably the most most difficult of all these guys who are trying to make a decision to move on or to stay the running back position has been devalued in the NFL. He's coming off an injury. What is your feel about where Jonathan Brooks or what decision Jonathan Brooks is going to make? Yeah, there's two things here, um, and and one of them kind of piggybacks off the other. I was told about a uh, two weeks prior to his injury against TCU that several NFL scouts uh, in in the you know the draft circles. Stole Jonathan Brooks as the, the number one running back in the uh, NFL draft for the 2024, you know, draft coming up in a couple months. Uh, so he was that highly coveted and, and, and sought after by NFL scouts early on that I think, you know, like you said, NFL running backs are, you know, they're, they're being a little bit devalued right now. The, the self-life of NFL running backs are seemingly uh, getting shorter and shorter each year. So 
I think if you're Jonathan Brooks, you see that and you think, you know, I've already got one ACL injury under my belt. I, I still relatively have fresh legs considering the fact, you know, 2023 was, you know, really the one year he took a, a, a large brunt of the, the running back touches. I think this is a, a good time for Jonathan Brooks to make the leap to the NFL while his clock is still, still this high, you know. Uh, it, it certainly makes sense, and there's an argument for him to come back. But another injury coming back to college almost wiped away his entire draft value in my eyes. Uh, when, if you were to come back with a, another knee injury or another leg injury, you'll now have two in two years. And, you know, that value just goes through the floor at that point. So I think this is the time that we'll see Jonathan Brooks declare for the NFL. And, you know, as I mentioned, it's so unfortunate that he, he did get hurt and did have his season in early because he was on path to winning the Doak Walker Award and being the number one consensus running back taken off the board. Yeah, and with that kind of value, you maybe could get him on day two or three and let him rehab with your trainers and uh, be a you know, good value pick for somebody out there in the National Football League. Uh, and, yeah, coming back to Texas with getting no reps through the winter and through the summer, uh, still rehabbing himself. You know, who knows what the running back room looks like at Texas next year with C.J. Baxter, Jaden Blue, two new incoming freshmen who are coming in early. Uh, so it's going to be a pretty crowded room, uh, probably the wise one. What about the report out there this morning, uh, C.J., that Ryan Watts may be – um, considering a return to Texas and maybe a position change uh, that, you know, if he wants to come back, they leave the door open, but not a corner at safety. I think there's a transition there where Ryan Watts probably has learned or has heard from the NFL that, you know, they don't have the foot speed or the hips, as Rod talks about, to be an NFL corner. Maybe go back and play some safety where Texas is, you know, could use some depth at that position. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that makes all the sense in the world uh, for Ryan Watts. Obviously, a big body, lengthy cornerbacks are, you know, highly prioritized in the NFL, but in that sense, you have to be able to combine that with good speed, and I'm not sure if Ryan Watts uh, has that capability at the moment to get to that elite level of speed. Obviously, I thought against Washington, he was in good coverage, but just a step late or a smidge behind uh, Roma Dunze, who is, you know, obviously a first-round caliber a wide receiver, but for Texas, the big goal this season, uh, this offseason, excuse me, is to get more speed in that secondary, get more length, get more uh, athleticism, whatever they can do to get, you know, bigger and, and more athletic uh, in the secondary. That's what they got to do. And I think you're looking at two guys right now at the outside corner spots who you don't want to take off the field. And that's Terrence Brooks and Malik Muhammad. Uh, their athleticism and their instincts, I think, are the two best that we've seen from a Texas cornerback uh, dating back to the days of Holton Hill and Chris Boyd. So that's where I stand at the moment. If you can keep Watts on the field at a secondary spot, it would be a you know kind of a, a field or boundary safety um, just so you can continue to keep his instincts and his experience on the field. He is long. He is lengthy. He does play good football. Uh, but, you know, when you go against those track star guys on the outside at receiver or at cornerback, it's just not a great mismatch uh, for him. Hey, CJ, uh, give me your thoughts uh, really quickly 
about Texas and wh- where they stand right now in the transfer portal? Are, are they are they pursuing any pos- any targets or any positions in general or any uh, specific players they may have their eye on? Any buzz about any players about Texas in the transfer portal, or you think they might be pretty close to done? Yeah, I mean Texas has been tremendous at you know picking targets out of the transfer portal and immediately making a move to go get them. Uh, I, I think as a result of that, what we've seen already this year, there not being already a move at the wide receiver position or even the defensive tackle position is more waiting for that right guy to go in. I think Texas is looking at Jamari Caldwell out of Houston, the defensive tackle who had two sacks against Texas this year as a potential option on the interior. Uh, clearly, as we've talked about earlier today, it certainly helps that Alfred Collins is already you know, kind of leaning towards a return for that interior defensive line to maintain the level of play that we have seen from them this year, uh, because that's going to be huge going into the SEC. And then that receiver, you know, I think Texas wants to go out and add a bona fide number one wide receiver, which is, you know, a a pretty tough thing to do. You know, there aren't many surefire number ones that you can go out and add right away who aren't going to be taken care of from, uh, you know, the, the school that they're already at. So, I, I look at that and I, I put a little hesitancy to it because I, I do think Sarkeesian wants to be very picky and precise with who he is adding to this group. Uh, we've always talked about culture and how impressive that has been this year. So it has to be the right fit. It has to be the right player and right culture uh, uh, fit as well. So I, I think Texas is evaluating their wide receiver options in the portal, but they're not going to, to, to take a kid just to take a kid. Uh, Evan Stewart has not picked a school yet. Is there is there any chance that Evan Stewart, with the relationships he has in that Texas locker room, or is that just one that they've they've uh, chalked up to to not a good fit? I mean, we know he's talented out of Texas A and M, and he's being recruited, but still hasn't picked yet, and it's now early January. Yeah, I don't I don't see Texas and Evan Stewart being a fit. I I, I think Texas, you know, made a little bit of an inquiry just to kind of see what's going on and, and, you know, opted to go elsewhere. Evan Stewart in Texas, obviously with history, there was a commitment to Steve Sarkeesian uh, during his recruitment back in the day. Uh, but I, I don't think uh, Texas, you know, really wanted to toy around with that one. And also, Evan Stewart didn't play the last four, uh, three or four games of the season. He's dealing with an ankle injury, uh, which sounds a little bit more serious than originally anticipated. So uh, one of those things where if you're taking a guy you have history with, and albeit not the greatest history, uh, you want to make sure he's able to come in and play right away, and I think there's a little hesitancy there as well. C.J. Vogel, he's the uh, college football insider, recruiting analyst covering Texas uh, for the Football Brainiacs, a great website. Uh, get over and check it out. He's got the host of the High Five Star uh, High Four Star podcast. He's also a uh, fixture now on the On Texas Football Channel, the YouTube channel. Uh, appreciate CJ. Hey CJ, before we let you go, just your overall thoughts on the game itself on Monday night. You were an eyewitness to it. We covered it and previewed it for a month. Uh, what were you uh, most disappointed about on Monday night, and what uh, maybe surprised you the most from that game, thirty-seven thirty-one? Yeah, I think it was the lack of pressure that Texas was able to get on Pennix, you know, uh, consistently throughout the game. There were moments where guys were running free. Uh, Pennix eluded them. Uh, I, I guess the biggest takeaway for me was just how tremendous Pennix was in that game. You know, you talk about some of the throws that, that he was making down the field. It never felt like a receiver had to make an outstanding catch uh, to, to be able to make a play on the football. It felt like every ball was dropped in a bucket. Every ball was right where it needed to be. It beat great coverage. 
it, it torched some some really good Texas defensive backs who had had really good seasons this year. So I really thought it was Michael Penix who made the plays uh, that that were really really impressive, and ultimately, you know, it ended up being one of the greatest. Uh, single-game college quarterback performance that I've seen against Texas uh, in my time having watched the program for now, you know, over 15 years. That's a great point, too. I, yeah. I love that, CJ. I'm trying to think, uh, yeah, what's the greatest performances against Texas football? Drew Locke. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Secure in the bag. Secure in the bag. Oh, man. Hey, listen, CJ, that was great stuff, my friend. And you can follow CJ on uh, Twitter or, <laughs> excuse me, X, whatever we're calling it, at CJ <laughs> underscore TFB. Uh, CJ Vogel, V-O-G-E-L underscore T-F-B. That's where you'll find him on the Twitters and uh, all the podcasts and everywhere he is. He is the best. Hey, man, get uh, are you, you're going to be at the game in San Antonio on Saturday. Is that right? Yeah, looking forward to it. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to talking to you maybe next week and get a full recap and continue these conversations. And we'll talk to you on YouTube as well. Thank you, CJ. Thanks, CJ. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one. All right, go get a nap. Yeah, go get a nap. Oh, man, that dude has been grinding. Just jet-setting all over the place. He's everywhere. That's <laughs> he it. does great stuff. Yeah, interesting it. on Ryan Watts, Rod. I mean, uh, and on Michael Penix, you know, it reminds me, and you, you're a, a big admirer of as a football theorist of oh. Bill Walsh, right? Oh, yeah. And I love the NFL films, you know, you know, the football life or whatever was Bill Walsh. And it's Mike Holmgren telling the story that Joe Montana was throwing passes and threw a deep one down, and uh, Jerry Rice caught it. And Mike Holmgren was like, hey, good, good throw, good throw, Joe. And uh, it, Walsh pulled Holmgren aside and says, uh, Mike, a good throw is the ball lands 12 inches from the nipples. 12 inches. Wow. Like, that's a good throw. Don't tell him great throw when it's not a great throw. Wow. It was low. Yeah, that was a – so a good throw is to, to, to put your hands out 12 inches or a foot <laughs> – from your nipples, I think is what he said. He said the breasts or something. I believe it, yeah, whatever, chest plate. I'm sure it was something. But That's a great throw, Mike, because wow. I think Mike said great throw, Joe. And, and Mike was – and Bill Walsh said pulled him aside. The, part of the, the perfectionist and the genius pulled him aside. That's not said, a great throw. That's not a great throw. That, was, a, that was an above average, <laughs> decent throw, but not great. And, I, and, I, and I thought of great. that as CJ wow. was talking about Michael Penix because that's where his throws were. They were, they were excellent. 12 inches in front of the nipples. <laughs> I love that. 12 inches. And it does. I get the visual. Yeah. When you say that, I literally – I can see the player doing it right there. like, actually, that makes sense. That's a great description. That's how you know the ball is on the money, and that's a great throw. Because as CJ said, he, they, they, the, the, the receivers didn't have to make great catches. They had to, they had to they put they, their hands out and catch it they, <laughs> over mean, and over and over. Over and over and over. I mean, really, how about this little factoid about Michael Penix, though? And I, was, <laughs> I saw this. Um, shout out to uh, Steve Palazzolo. He uh, put this out there. Oh, yeah, Pro, Pro Football, Football Focus. Focus, yeah. He does a good job. When Michael Penix threw his first college pass, Patrick Mahomes had just one NFL start under his belt, and Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield had yet to play an NFL down. That's what experience does for you. <laughs> and that dude is uh, now uh, eating, like, cooking Texas secondary steel in his sixth season and paid off for him because hey, now he's about to be drafted in the first round. Hey, in our fabulous fifth hour, we'll get into this because, you know, we've had two great guests today, CJ just now and earlier Jerry Hamilton was with us, yep. and he gave us the prediction. He thinks Michigan's going to beat the brakes off of Washington. He picked 31-13. I want to get your thoughts on that. Obviously, yeah. we have all the way till Monday to make our official predictions, but he thinks Michigan's going to be too physical and be able to get pressure on Penix. We'll talk about that coming up. Also, coming next, Rod, I want to play a little round of who said that? Who said that? Let's do it next. The Horn text line has moved. 
Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B. On the Horn. Ooh, All right, who said that is a uh, fun game we play, Rod, where we play some sound and audio from around the sports landscape, sometimes outside the sports landscape, and try to decide who said that. What do you have for me today, Rod? All right, Ty, I sent you a few of these so you can just download any one you want, and then we can play who said it. Who said it? Uh, He's been that way since the offseason when we talked, since he came to OTA, since training camp, one day at a time, locked in. That's kind of how he's approached it, and I think his, it's been reflected in how he's practiced and how he's played. Like this. There you go. Uh, who said that? I know the voice. Is that Harbaugh? That is a Harbaugh. That's John Harbaugh. Uh, he's talking about his quarterback, Lamar Jackson. He's talking about his Super Bowl focus. So the Super Bowl focus is higher this season than it has been ever. Um, so, obviously, this team right now, they are locked in. And remember, they're at the, they're on the end of the five-year window. Remember my five-year rule that if you have a coach – and a quarterback together. No coach and quarterback have won their first Super Bowl together after being together for more than five years. Hadn't happened. That's the five-year rule. you got a five-year window. They are actually in their sixth year. But, remember, he didn't start until like the, like later on in his rookie year. So they're, on, they're, they're right there at the end, the end of the window <laughs> to win that Super Bowl in that, that five-year window. They are right there. They're pushing it. And if they don't this year, I do think you'll see regression for Baltimore. But this is the way you do it. And remember, they changed offenses, so that was a way to kind of extend that five-year window that I talk about, bringing in a Todd Monk in offense, and he's going to win an MVP again. He is. His and uh, He's earned it. Uh, and, again, I guess you vividly remember the off-season conversations we had about yeah. why is no one talking to Lamar Jackson? He's available, apparently. Mm-hmm. Well, and, of course, they signed him. And John Harbaugh was adamant that he's not available. We want to keep him. But there were, he was at odds with his front office. Remember there was the weird uh, – when, when John Harbaugh and the general manager were at the Combine, Lamar Jackson put out a statement that he wants out. Yep. Good, goodbye, Baltimore. Remember that. And he did it, timed it, just knowing that the, the, the GM was about to be on, like, uh, doing a press conference yep. and wanted him to be asked about it. Um, it was certainly planned and intentional. And so they were at odds, and, and, you know, it was so curious that nobody was interested. And we'd have, well, mm-hmm. they, they think he's an injury risk. They think he's maxed out. He's hit his ceiling. I'm like, what? Not one team inquired about him. And look at all, these, look at all these, uh, these average quarterbacks around the league, and nobody wanted to spend two first-round picks for a guy who's going to win multiple MVPs before he's 27. Yeah. <laughs> right? He's like 27 That's years old. That's what I kept saying. Like I was like, okay, guys, I know doing? he's had some injury issues. I may – but, I mean, he, he's still – because I was talking about with the Texans, and I didn't know at the time Texans were going to take C.J. Stroud and he'd good be point. this good. Yeah. I was like, look, I'd give up the second pick yeah. to get Lamar Jackson at 26 years old and sign him and know he's really good. Got the Raiders going after Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Is it like, what are y'all doing? Obviously, now the <laughs> Texans were wise to get – but you didn't – you couldn't guarantee you at that point that. you were going to get C.J. Stroud and how good he's going to be. And now here he is, and now you have a young quarterback on a young contract or for you know a rookie contract. That's the best thing to have. But at the same time, Lamar Jackson has yeah. earned that MVP. A lot of teams got egg on their face. A lot of general managers so. and front office people. And what I, I think is great about the story, though, Ian, you just brought it up, and we don't talk about it enough, got to negotiate his own damn deal. 
Yeah. Got negotiated his own damn deal, became the highest paid player in the league, and now is going to win MVP in the same year. Winning, yeah. and his mama, yeah. he gave, I think his, he gave his mom the agent fee. He technically said his mom negotiated a deal, even though he negotiated. <laughs> so she got the agent fee, which is what, 2 3%? Oh, yeah, of a big contract. <laughs> she, I, I, mom was taking care of. I still believe timing was big. If the Washington Commanders sale had not been pending, I think they would have gone after him. Oh, that's a good one. Because they, they needed yep. a quarterback. And Denver did it a year earlier. Yes. And they, they made the same, but they, they probably would have done it too if they hadn't gone to Russell Wilson like that. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's yeah. right. But uh, yeah, he's about to. And, and again, they're. Their their three losses are. It's hard to believe that they lost to the to the Steelers in a game where they really dominated the game. They lost to the Colts. You don't want to see people in your division in the playoffs. That's why they don't want to see the Browns, right? Because your your division rivals they know you so well. Yeah. They, they have and the, the Browns best have beaten them this year. Browns are one of the teams that beat yeah. them. The Browns are one of the teams that beat them. Yeah. 33-31. Another game that they kind of gave away late. They it's were weird. Up double digits. The three losses were games that they should have. And this is a team that has played good enough to be sixteen and zero if they would have finished the three games. And then the the That's blowout right. wins of the Niners. Dolphins, Lions. And they blew out the best teams. Yes, blew them and, out. And they've lost to some teams that they probably shouldn't have with quarterback, with suspect quarterback play. Yeah, Colts, Browns, <laughs> and uh, and yeah. uh, Steelers. Steelers, yeah. All right, let's. Uh, who said this, Rod? Who said it? Uh, you know, on this Thursday morning. Maybe things that Nick probably want to fix about himself, and 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 I'll say. But one thing I can't respect: loyalty is not one of them. And I say that because um, he takes up for us when it has nothing to do with him, and uh, he gets the blame. But that comes with, with, his, with his job, you know, and, and sometimes Jalen does the same thing. And uh, just like Brian, he get the, end, the wrong end of the stick sometimes when it be us. But cause I, like I said today, the coaches played, played zero snaps this year. It is not the coaches. It is us. And so, but like I said, if one person goes the wrong way, the whole play is over with. And, and as you guys see, it is glimpsed. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is highs and lows. It goes just like this, and so that's why I feel like. That's why honestly, I feel like we are close. We are close to to continue to continue to getting better and continue to, to to take that next step. You know, with all this freaking adversity, we we right there. That's what happens when you're trying to get to the next step. Gravity pulls against you. Everything pulls against you. Right. I love good. that so much. I, I love that, how, I how scared they are, <laughs> how just freaked out. You can see it on Nick Sirianni's face on, on the sidelines or in, on Sundays, it, and it seems like it's translating to the team from, from what Jalen Hurts has been saying and this A.J. Brown clip as well. All right, so, yeah, there you go. It's A.J. Brown. Um, yeah, oh, I like sorry. that clip. Like that no, no, no. It's good. It's good. It's emotional. I get you. That's, that's, that's a good clip, though. He's an like emotional that. guy, and it's just clearly rubbing off on his team. Nick Sirianni is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick Sirianni is emotional. I just think it's man losing those two coordinators. And I brought the stat up earlier. Just they cannot quantify how much it affected. And they've team. turned out to be, you know, I think Jonathan Gannon was a. I mean, he didn't seem like a, a good hire, but obviously you're seeing now that the Cardinals aren't really good, but they've been they fought they all year. They, they play, play hard. hard they just beat the Eagles. And the Shane Steichen's going to have the Colts maybe in the playoffs if they can beat Houston at home That's on a, Saturday. I mean, have you? Yeah, exactly. How many times have we seen a, a Super Bowl team lose both coordinators like that, or a Super Bowl losing team lose both coordinators like that? And then the coordinators go on to have immediate success, um, or at least show flashes of it. Early yeah, sure. On. Like they, they, they. You say which one about Arizona's record, but they, they looks like they got their guy uh, like as it. they move forward. And Kyler Murray's bought in, and so we'll see. Uh, all right, we'll play some more Who Said That coming up because we've got some more audio. It's good to do uh, into the fabulous fifth hour. We'll also talk about Jerry Hamilton's prediction that uh, Michigan's not only going to beat Washington but beat them handily. Got to get your thoughts on that, Rod, because uh, that team's won 21 straight games and, again, an underdog. And mm-hmm. does uh, 
don't know. We'll see. It's matchups, though. Matchups, matchups. Football's about match. We talked about this with Texas and how Texas is probably was a better, more well-rounded team than Washington. I said that most times. What did I say the big butt was? But they got a better quarterback. They got a better head coach, and their strength is directly targeted at your weakness. Yep. And we saw it. (laughs) 430 yards later. There you go. So uh, Michigan matchup-wise, Michigan might match up better with them. I think that's what what Jerry's coming. They better fix their special teams. Who, Michigan? Yeah, because they damn near lost the game to Bama because of their specialty teams. Uh, We'll pick that up on the other side of our fabulous fifth hour, plus uh, Cowboys' huge game on Sunday, a huge opportunity, Texans as well. Uh, Fabulous Fifth Hour always gets a little loose, too. Loose! Um, You never know. You never know. Took him up with Ian Rodby.